Our good friends at Johnio welcome you to this episode. Now, the iconic Johnio clothing brand logo of the surfer and his longboard first caught my eye several years ago, but it's the signature Johnio style where West Coast meets East Coast prep that truly changed the game for me, and I've been wearing Johnio ever since. And now our listeners can use promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order at johnny-o.com. That's 20% off the regular price. Price at johnny-o.com. Use the promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome, Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted built and inspired by the role of sports in their lives here's your host richmond weaver this is episode 109 thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen trust in life isn't given it's built and it's built through relationships and our guest this episode chad Steele, understands the power of relationships not just from his current role as the Baltimore Ravens Vice President of Public Relations, but also throughout his life. Prior to his start with the Ravens in 2002, he would begin his PR career in the NFL with the San Francisco 49ers. And now Chad and the Ravens Public Relations staff are three-time recipients of the Pete Rozelle Award, which is presented by the Pro Football Writers of America to the staff that consistently strives for excellence in its dealings and relationships with the media. And in 2002 and 2003, he was selected as the Conference Public Relations Director for the Pro Bowl in Honolulu, Hawaii, becoming the first person in NFL history chosen as PR Director for two consecutive years. Now, even though his working career has been in football with the NFL, It was his basketball talent that led him to Winthrop University, where he would serve as co-captain for the basketball team. Now, I met Chad in the fall of 2018 as he helped coordinate the opportunity of sitting down with Ravens long snapper Morgan Cox, which we released in episode 91, and I immediately knew that Chad would also be someone that we wanted to meet with as well. Here's episode 109 with Chad Steele. Well, Chad, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate you sitting down and letting me come in here to the Ravens facility. I mean, you've got a fantastic view. So it's not a bad place to come to work every day. <laughs> I would say so. And you got a great office. I, yes. I, I, but that didn't just happen overnight. No. That took time to get this yes. corner office, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and I know you're so busy just from the aspect of obviously PR with an NFL team, but mm-hmm. it seems like there's NFL action 365 days a year. I mean, is there any downtime for you guys at all? Um, it depends on what you define as downtime. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, know. I mean, right now we have our weekends, which is good. But, you know, with the draft coming up and then we have some camps and those go, get taken away. But there's there's a little bit of downtime. There's just not any off season anymore, you know, because as um, for the last couple of years, as soon as the season was over, I was able to decompress for, you know, a week or two and then 
Uh, I'm going and I help the, the NFL out at the at the Super Bowl, and I'm down there for two weeks, and then I'm back for you know a couple of weeks, and I'm going to Indy for combine and PR meetings, and then you know I've got a little time now. Off season programs getting ready to start, so it's just it just keeps on going and going and going. And how has social media affected that? Because uh, it seems like you guys are always having to put out content, so I imagine that's a whole other animal in itself. Yes, and that's the thing is that you try to capture as much as you can during the season or when they're here for off-season program and that sort of thing. But there's just not enough. There's there's such a, a thirst for it. You know, people want the, the the NFL 365 days a year. So it's 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 a challenge in that aspect from from our side, from the organizational side, being able to put out content all the time. But then also it's a challenge. Okay, what are the players putting out? We have to you know we're watching them to make sure. Okay, hey, we can't say things like that. You don't want to do that. We you you don't want to upset part of the fan base or the organization so it's a blessing and a curse do you guys have training for the players that come in about the yes. pitfalls of social media and yes. what you want to avoid yes that's part of the rookie combine experience and then also uh, we do something internally with our pr staff and our digital media department we speak with the, with the entire team um, sort of sort of the do's and don'ts uh, and there are guys that that get it and guys that care, and there are some guys that don't get it and, and don't really care and say, hey, this is me, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, but I think once they see the ramifications of it, yeah. you know, it could be internally in the building, it could be um, with fans, it could be with their family, <laughs> you know, or it could <laughs> be with right. a sponsor, somebody that they're, that, that they're working with that says, hey, we don't like that. So it's, it's a, it's, it's, there's, there's a huge learning curve for, for people, and there's something new all the time. So it's not like you say, okay, we, we know everything now, everything's good. There's something new all the time, so you, you just always have to, to keep brushed up on it. Without a doubt. The, I would imagine, though, the, the constant, though, is what you were describing is that there can be negative consequences based mm -hmm. on your choices, what you decide to put out there and what type of messaging you might put out there. So that's that's the one thing. But that's life as well. Absolutely. <laughs> right? Absolutely. And, and, and that's what, you, you know, it's not only with our players. I talk to, to when I talk to young people about trying to get in this business that you have to understand what you do is you as a job. So it, it's you on the football field. Absolutely. And you in the classroom. But it's also your your brand is either enhanced or detract by everything you do, which includes Twitter, Instagram and things of that nature. So you have to understand that even though you might not be looking at a large sum of corporate dollars right now, once you get your second contract, you hit a couple Pro Bowls then, you know, corporate sponsors start coming and they say, okay, well, let's look, see what he does on social media. So, oh, okay. Because okay. they'll go back and look in the history. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and once you put it out there, you could scrub it, but it's out there. You know, that's people right. can find it. So that's, that's the danger of it. It's, we have, we, uh, we have had in the past and we have players now that do a great job with it and they can brand themselves. Tory Smith is probably mm -hmm. the best. I mean, he is so positive in the stuff he does with his family and in the community. He's so positive with it that he's probably, he, he's probably created uh, a bigger image or persona of himself than he than he probably should as a player, just because of all the positive things he does on social media and in the community. Um, but unfortunately, there are way more negative examples than than that. I'm almost glad that social media wasn't around when I was growing up. I mean, you and I are close in age, and. I, I think it was better for me that I didn't have to worry about yes. social media. I, I, you know, that we, we always joke. I, we probably wouldn't have the jobs we have if, you know, if there was social media around. But, but, it, but also, it's, you know, I look at it from 
how are we raising our kids? Because back in the day, you and I, I wasn't the most popular kid growing up. I moved quite a bit. But uh, if I wasn't invited to a party, if I wasn't invited to something, I, I probably didn't know about it. So it wouldn't bother me. But now with kids these days, you know, you look on Instagram and three of your best friends are bowling or at a football game or something and you weren't even invited, then that's, that, you know, that, that plays mind tricks on you. So it's just, it's tough. Yes, it is. And that's why, you know, you're talking about, you know, with the kid aspect and how they're dealing with social media and I mean, you're raising kids right now. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's an animal you're going to have to tackle if you haven't already started, you know, from that perspective. But let's walk back to your childhood, as you mentioned, having to move around mm-hmm. quite a bit. So what was life like in the Steele family growing up? Um, you know, my, my father's in the army and uh, it was great. We loved, I spent most of my childhood overseas and we bounced around. We were moving on average every three years, which was awesome because you get to experience places and cultures and countries and things that a lot of kids only get to read about. But now you say awesome. Is that the Chad Steele, mature Chad Steele saying that, <laughs> that it was awesome? But back then, was that no, awesome? No, I loved it. I lo- it got harder as I got older because you know, you, you, you establish friends and then you yeah, have to leave. Yeah, because that scene would be so And then you've got to pick leave. up. So that's, you know, I, my, uh, I have an older sister and we, my father got transferred right before her senior year. So she left, we left Colorado and moved to Indiana right before her senior year, which was really, really hard on her. And then I was at one school for my freshman year. Uh, we moved on post. I was at another school for my sophomore year. Halfway through my junior year, he got transferred again to Leavenworth, Kansas. So that was tough. Um, but I loved it. Like I, be, because of what I do, I think it helps me because I had to learn new systems, meet people all the time. I was around adults, I was around kids and you have to do that as a, as a military. And especially, uh, my father's a Colonel and he was a battalion commander. So there are a number of things that we had to do with adults. So it, 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 it helped shape me as a person and it was incredible. It was really hard, um, as I got older, you know, as a, as a tall, skinny, biracial kid with ADHD <laughs> moving into a new school as a junior, it wasn't awesome. It's a tough transition. It's a tough transition. Uh, but, but, you know, those kind of challenges kind of helped me to get to where I am. But I, 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 love, I wouldn't change it for the world. I absolutely loved moving around. And so all of that moving around, though, where did sports come into your life? Obviously, I know your dad mm-hmm. was a very decorated football player at mm-hmm. Army and the first black to play mm-hmm. at the military academy. So was sports always something that was big in your family? Yeah, sports was always, it, it, was, it was always massive in our family. And, and part of that was just because my parents were both so athletic. Um, you know, we were athletic kids and they wanted us to get out. And, you know, there wasn't Xbox and PlayStation and iPads. It was like, hey, get your butt outside and you go play. You go throw the ball around, you go do whatever. Uh, but also it, it was it was a tool to help us ingrain ourselves in the communities that we moved into. Um, so especially when we were overseas, we were I, I mean, I played soccer. I ran track. I swam, I played baseball, I played basketball, I played football. I mean, you name it. My sister, you know, same things, soccer, track, volleyball, softball, like whatever the season was, we were playing. And that really helped us um, get to 
get to know the the communities that we're that we're going into, but it also it also helped us fit in a little bit. It's was, it's, it's kind of like a fraternity. That's right. I was going to ask: Is it, would that help you make friends? Yes. Try to get out there and be active and play in the sports. Yeah, absolutely. It was it, it wasn't it was it was it was making friends, but it was also uh, on top of the military discipline. It's 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 a little bit of dis- discipline outside of the house when my parents weren't around that taught us discipline outside of our house. So are there similarities between the military discipline and the sports oh, discipline? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, with with a military, the, it's it's about a team, you know, and everybody everybody does their part. You 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 pull your weight and there's a chain of command. It's it's the same thing in sports, you know. You've got the head coach, you've got the uh, you've got the assistant coaches, then you've got the seniors, and you've got the juniors and sophomores. <laughs> right. So there's a, there's a, there's a chain of command, but but the head coach understands that you're only as good as your weakest link. So a, as a freshman, if I wasn't pulling my weight, I wasn't going to play, you know. And that's the way it, that's the way it was in, in in the military, and that's the way we grew up. And we grew up in a very disciplined household. It wasn't we weren't getting beatings and things like that, you know. But <laughs> but there was a lot of structure. There was a lot of structure, and there was you know we had room inspections Saturday morning. You know, nine nine a.m. Knock on the door. Room ready for inspection. Room ready for inspection, sir. And you open it up, and and it was fun. You know, and 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 it would bounce a quarter off the bed, and they would you know <laughs> look for dust, and 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 we we had a lot of fun with him. My kid, he likes doing that with my kids now. Um, but it, there are also there are also lessons in that. You know, and then you know there were hey w- when the alarm goes off, I want to hear feet on the ground. You've got five minutes in the shower. We're not wasting we're not wasting water, <laughs> even though even though the government was paying for it. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a very disciplined household. But I, you know, again, I think that helps me in my job, and it helps me with 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 my children trying to instill that instill that same discipline in them. How are you in terms of raising your children right now? Then I, you know, I'm I'm the disciplinarian. My wife is <laughs> is from Northern California, and she's she's one of three girls. You know, so their family, let's say, they weren't as structured and disciplined as mine, um, but. Uh, a lot like it was in, in my family, and my and my fa- my father was more the disciplinarian. Yeah. Um, and when we got in trouble, you know, you get yelled at, you get a spanking, you get disciplined, you get sent to your room. But as soon as that is over, you sit down and you have to talk about it. Why did this happen? How can we avoid doing this in the future? And sometimes I was like, "Can you just spank me? Like I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Just spank me." Right. Um, no words of wisdom yeah, or anything. Yeah. Let's go. Um, and and we're very blessed with my daughter, who's who's getting ready to turn nine, is the greatest child on earth. And my wife and I were like, "Oh God, we got to have a thousand kids because we're the greatest parents on earth." Um, I've never had to raise my voice at her, you know. And my son is is a challenge, and he's he's kind of flexing his muscles. He just turned five, um, and so. I I do have to discipline him quite often, and I'm not talking, I'm not spanking, I'm not hitting, but there are timeouts, there are talkings too, there are pull off to the side and, you know, raise your voice a little bit, but after that, we always talk about why, and I always tell him that I love him, and I, you know, I always hug him, I I never want him to go away thinking that, that I'm mad at him or I hate him, he needs to understand that. I do these things, and this is what, God, I couldn't stand this, hearing this from my dad, but now I'm doing, you know, I'm doing this because I love you, you know? I'm like, I don't want to hear that. Now I'm saying that to him. I'm like, oh my God, I'm my dad. Um, But it is, you you know. But do you understand now? Absolutely. That it is truly out of love? Absolutely. And and I understood that as I got older, but it's hard as as a young kid. And uh, my parents were actually visiting last night, and um, I, I, it's funny when, 
when I have to have a talk with my son or, you know, we, there's something, there's a look, I can just see my, my mom and dad kind of looking at each other, smiling and, you know. Payback. They, yeah. And they, they both told me, they're like, we're so proud of you, the, the, the father you've become. You know, you do such a good job. And that's all you, that's all you want to hear, you know, is that you're doing a good job with your kids, especially from the two most important people in your life. Um, so it, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm a strict disciplinarian. Uh, my wife's a little easier, so there's a good middle ground. Yes, of course. How do you balance the aspect of parenting in terms of allowing your kids to fail and having some exposure to failure, but also trying to protect them? Oh, it's, it's, it's so hard. Yeah, because I've, I've, I've struggled with that, and I've got teenagers. Yes, and, and I, I think it's—I haven't had to— Fortunately, I haven't had to deal with it too much just because they're playing sports and they're just starting to play sports and um, the, the rules are a little different. You know, as, as, as my daughter is growing up, she's realizing she's playing basketball, she's playing soccer, she's playing softball, she's riding horses. So now she's, they're starting to get into the phase where it's like, okay, it's, there aren't participation trophies for everybody, which I'm thankful for. <laughs> um, and there are rules. You can foul out. You know, you can score. There's things of that nature. So it's hard, you know, when, when you're driving home and there are some tears and, you know, we didn't win and why didn't. So you balance and that's what I struggle with a little bit because I'm like, the only reason I was successful as an athlete is because I outworked everybody. And so, but you can't say, well, you didn't work hard enough. You, you know, so it's like, <laughs> you've got to love up the good parts and say, you did this really well. You played defense awesome. We need to work on your shot a little bit. You need to work on your follow through. You need to work on your hustle. So trying to, trying to give, trying to give the positives uh, as well as constructive criticism. <laughs> so what was your first love in sports? Uh, my first love was soccer because we, I, we I went overseas when, um, geez, I was probably two or three, and we spent most of my childhood overseas. We came back in middle school, and uh, and so overseas was you know it was soccer. I loved soccer. I loved track, and football became my passion. A lot of it because I wanted to be like my my dad. Um, and uh, I was a decent football player. And then once we got once he got transferred to Leavenworth. Um, it was already, it was in the middle of football season and I couldn't play because they, they were halfway through. So I had to start playing basketball and just ended up, you know, ended up being, luckily being, being good enough to get a scholarship. Yeah. So what I was going to say, how did you get to Winthrop? Um, of all things, how to South Carolina, cause I live in Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah. So I know Winthrop very well, right up the road. It's crazy. I, um, um, so my father got transferred and my brother, my, my younger brother still in school. They wanted to, my mom wanted to stay back to, so he could finish out his semester. I, str I was struggling in, in the school. What do you um, mean struggling? Uh, a little bit of everything societally because, because I was a mixed race and the school was 70% black. I wasn't really accepted by the black students. Because uh, I wasn't black enough, I wasn't accepted by the white students because my father was black. So I, I, I struggled a little bit. I, I I wasn't doing well in the classroom and, and socially I was struggling a little bit. And so my father said, "Hey, I'm going to take him with me. You know, he needs this change right now. Mona, you stay back with Courtney. He can finish out a semester." So for three months, it was it was my dad and I in BOQ's bachelor officers quarters, which were was about. Um, Probably about 600 square feet. There was a twin bed and a pull-out couch and a and a um, kitchen that was shared with the BOQ next door. And um, 
colonel said, okay, one week I'm going to get the couch, you're on the, or I'm going to get the bed, you're on the pullout. The next week you get the bed, I'm on the pullout. If I cook, you clean. You cook, I clean. And, um, and you know, kind of helped me to grow up. It really helped our relationship. Um, because it was just, that's it was called just quarters. Yeah, it was just the two of us. <laughs> and I, if I couldn't play football, I was like, I don't, I don't want to do anything else. And he was like, no, no, no. No, you're not going to sit here. <laughs> you're going to play basketball, <laughs> and uh, and he went and, and so he pushed you to yes. play basketball, mm-hmm. and he and he went and met met with uh, Larry Hogan, my head coach in in, in high school, and um, Larry said, "Hey, look, if he works hard enough and he's good enough, he'll have a shot." It, it wasn't because there was a lot of townies from Leavenworth versus the military kids because it's a big military base, so there was a little bit of friction there. He said, "If he's good enough, then then he'll have a shot," and um, I went in there and I was raw. And um, I just worked my butt off. And um, uh, were you always tall at um, a young age? No, no. I, I, I shot up uh, my my sophomore my sophomore year in high school. Uh, had a lot of growing pains. I was uh, as like my wife, real growing pains. Yeah, yes, yeah. The, the Osgood like physical. Slaughter. Osgood slaughter with my knees yeah. and my back. It was hard to get out of bed some days. Uh, my my elbow it was just it was a, there was a lot of pain. Um, and you know, by the time I was a junior, I was six, six and 150 pounds. My wife, my wife now looks back at pictures of that. She calls me the praying mantis. I was just really long and gangly. Um, but, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't have a passion to play basketball, but, but my dad's like, no, you're going to, you, you're, you're not going to sit here. You're going to have to go for it. And so, uh, so I went and then, um, I don't know if it's still this way, but in high school you could play five quarters in a night. So I was playing two quarters of JV and then three quarters of varsity. Um, for the first probably half of the season, and then I graduated where I was just I, I was starting on varsity, and I would just uh, I came off JV and just and um, and was lucky enough to I got a McDonald's All American nomination after my junior year, which really really pushed me. Um, and then I started, well, you were working very hard yes, then, <laughs> working, working very hard <laughs> to get that. And yes. then um, and then we would just go around to different camps and. Uh, Coach Hogan had us. We got a big 18-passenger van and drove us from Kansas to Pennsylvania to Robert Morris College, where yeah. five-star Howard Garfinkel oh, five-star basketball very well. camp. Yes, and uh, I got I got my butt kicked for a couple of days, and then kind of got my my bearings under me. And, Did you figure it out um, a little bit? Yeah, yeah. And I was, and there are there are a lot of there are a lot of schools there, including Winthrop, and. Um, and so I uh, started getting recruited and got recruited by some, some, some bigger schools. Um, but um, they were all, you know, hey, you wouldn't, you're not going to play until you're a junior. You just really started playing. And Winthrop was Division One, and they said, hey, you can come in and fight for a, for a starting position right away if you put in the work. And plus, the head coach, when he came to visit, promised my parents that he'd make sure I was in church every Sunday. Okay. Um, so, so that they, they were sold at that yes, point. They, that was important. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I wanted to play division one. I wanted to play right away. So, um, going to Winthrop was, it was unbelievable. It was, it was such a great experience. Um, didn't win as much as, as I wanted to, but, um, I always tell young kids, like the most important decision you make in your life is, is you're going to make when you're 17. It's where you go to school. Because if I wasn't at Winthrop, um, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be in the NFL. Uh, and uh, because the Carolina Panthers started up their inaugural season and they trained at our facilities till their stadium was built. So my head coach got me hooked up with the PR guys and I kind of fell into an internship and went down that path. And if I wasn't in the NFL, well, I, you know, I met my wife at the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. I was working for the NFL. She was working for DirecTV. So 
I wouldn't, if I wasn't in the NFL, I wouldn't have met her. I wouldn't have my kids, you know. So it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy life choices that you make yeah. when you're really young that, that you look back and you're like, man, whew, that was the right, that was the right call. And at that time, and were you thinking in terms of like what would be the next step career-wise, or were you just focused when on? I just went to play, college. Yes, or I'm oh, just, I just well, I knew the basketball. next step. I was going to play four years and go to the NBA. That was like <laughs> that was that was the plan. That was the plan. Okay, and, uh, and I was well on my way to that plan until the first game of my freshman year. I played against Tim Duncan, and then I was like, "Ooh, I should probably start <laughs> start studying a little bit." Yeah, well, now Tim Duncan is a little bit different caliber. Yes. is what you're saying. Yes, yes, oh. it was a whole. It was like. Uh, High school to college basketball was a massive jump. And then college, we were in the Big South. So big South, mid-major college from the Big South to going to the ACC. Or we played ACC, SEC, and Big East schools. You know, so we're playing Connecticut. We played up at the Carrier Dome in Syracuse, Alabama, Auburn, you know, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Miami, you know. So when 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 you step onto those courts, it's a it's a whole different ball game. And it's amazing because I, I tried to walk on at Clemson. Mm-hmm. This is nineteen eighty nine, because I'm a basketball guy mm-hmm. as well. And I was blown away and it was a humbling experience uh-huh. to realize I'm not as good, not even close to as good as I thought I was no. seeing some of these players. It was just amazing. So I understand <laughs> what you're talking about yeah. <laughs> at first moment when you realize, whoa, that's, yeah. that's a little bit different caliber of talent yeah. for sure. Now, but why NFL though? Why PR? You know, I didn't, I, I didn't know this was a job. You know, I, I, wanted, to, I, I wanted to be a doctor. I wasn't nearly smart enough to be a doctor, but I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and my junior year, you know, I, 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 had, to, I had to switch majors um, because uh, the stuff I was looking at to try to maybe go into biology, we had labs in the morning, labs in the afternoon. You had, we had workouts in the morning, practice in the afternoon, so I had to make a decision. Uh, I was looking at education, and then my head coach said, hey, Charlie Dayton, you know, maybe I can get you hooked up with him just to kind of see what they do. So uh, I went around with them for a day and absolutely loved what they were doing. I said, this is what I want to do. I, I saw, I was like, oh my gosh, you can be in a locker room. You get paid to be in a locker room. Yeah. You can be around sports because that's all I'd ever known was sports. Um, and, uh, and it was right place, right time. I was, I was way underqualified for the job. I have no idea why they gave me an internship. I had no business getting an internship. <laughs> um, but for whatever reason, you know, they just saw something in me. And, um, and then as I got older, you know, basketball turned into my first love just because I was playing it. Yeah. But then I saw it's like, okay, we, we travel 10 times a year. We have eight, eight regular season road games and two uh, preseason po- uh, road games. In the NBA, they're traveling 41 times a year. So when I was younger, I was like, oh, that'd be great. But yeah, that's get, easy yeah. when you're young. But then you get old, you, you, you get married, you have kids, and you're like, I don't want to be away. It's hard to be away the 10 times a year I, I have to be. Um, but this is, you, you know, football is just, it's, it's the biggest thing in the country, you know, and it's just, and, and I love it. I've just, this is all I've, this is all I've known. Yeah. My course. entire professional career, this is all I've ever done. Well, obviously, part of it was, I think, goes back to some of your success has to trace back to the work ethic mm-hmm. that you talked about as far as what you were able to do on the basketball court and how hard you worked. 
Did that come from your parents? That yes, work ethic? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's, you know, we were never given anything, you know, my father, Imagine not. Yeah, my, my, my father <laughs> and my mother, they were never given anything. You know, they were, um, it's not like they, their families had a lot of money growing up. And then, uh, when my parents got married in, uh, in 1971, um, because they were interracial, my mom's family, my mom's parents wouldn't talk to her. They basically disowned her. And so for seven years until they finally came back in the fold, it was them against the world. Um, so learning how to do things the right way and learning how to support your family, um, that was priority. And, and from the time I can remember, it was put in our heads, uh, the kind of the family motto, and it's it's part of the West West Point Cadet Prayer. And it says, make us to choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong, and never be content with a half-truth when the whole can be won. And so all my entire life it was, Chad, harder right, easier wrong. Harder right, easier wrong. So it's, you know, when the coach isn't looking and you, hey, you have to make 10 free throws and you make eight and everybody's done. And uh, well, you know what? Let's go ahead and make those. those, those Rather than two. just saying, oh, yes. yeah, I made my and, 10. Yeah. And when you're doing suicides, oh, you could, because there are so many guys in the court, you could flub and not go all the way to the line. But it's choosing that harder right. And that's so that and just I was just so I wanted to make my parents so proud. You know, I, I wanted them to be able to smile and. Colonel was always like, you know, hey, you're steel. You need to be proud of that, you know. So trying to trying to make the family name, you know, trying to make my father proud, trying to make my grandfather his, you know, his father proud, and kind of prove to my mom's parents that they that they were wrong. That you know, my dad's a good person. We're good people. They were really worried about what it would, how it would affect biracial, you know, their their grandchildren being biracial. So. A little bit of, uh, a, a lot of discipline instilled from my family, but a little bit of I want to prove everybody wrong. Yeah, and I was going to ask you what motivated you, and you just answered it. It's to prove people wrong yeah. who doubted you guys. Because were there at times that you felt that you were against the world as well? Oh, as no you're question. moving around and, as you said, just the challenges uh, trying to fit in as an interracial Yeah, kid? it's, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I didn't really fit in anywhere, and I was a, I was a nerd, you know. I didn't I didn't drink. I didn't party. Um, I was I was a family kid. I was kind of a homebody, and I had my friends. But you know, I, I wasn't going to go out and get drunk and, and create havoc with uh, with some of my teammates. It was just, I was just different, and um, so and that was hard. And you know, you get made fun of. You're not invited to the to the cool kid parties. <laughs> um, uh, but I, you, you know, but I wanted to prove to them, you know, hey, I'm I'm a great athlete and I'm a great person, and so even to this day, you know, I'm still trying to do that. It's not it's not like oh my gosh, hey, yeah, you, you know, haven't made it, yeah, right? yeah, I haven't, I, I haven't still made it, yeah, doing it, yeah, I still, I still, I still want to prove to people um, that they were wrong, and uh, uh, but the most important thing is, is is my family to to be able to to do things for my parents. My mom is like if. Uh, uh, unless one of her kids plays, she could she could care less about sports. She <laughs> wants to watch, you know, HGTV. She's an yes. interior decorator. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. she could care less. <laughs> the, the last night of the NBA was last night, and we're my dad and I are watching. She's like, "Are you guys going to watch basketball?" Okay, I'm going to go up in the room and, and put on, you, you know, put on uh, HGTV. Um, but you know, my father loved it. So the couple times I was uh, I was asked to go out and help the NFL at the Pro Bowl. Um, I could either do a first class t ticket or two coach tickets. So 
I would bring them out, you know, and be able to, to bring, I was at the time 25 years old and be able to bring my dad out to the Pro Bowl and introduce him to Peyton Manning and Jerry Rice and all these guys that I'm working with. Um, That'd be a you know, great yeah, it was, it was bonding time absolutely. for you and your dad. It was, it was, or should I say the Colonel? Yeah, the Colonel, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I did catch how you yes. referred to him as the and Colonel. That's, that's everybody, like, <laughs> even even my kids, like, they don't say grandpa, they say Colonel. The guys here at the Ravens that, that you know, like, it's Colonel. He just, that's just what he's always been. <laughs> Um, but that that bonding time to be able to do that for 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 him and with him and you know to be able to have them to the games and on the sidelines and and uh, and then have them get people texting them and calling them when they see when they see me at the working the Super Bowl you know or see see my sister at the you know at the Masters or NBA final like that's that's what it's about to 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 let them know you know all the hard work that you put into us we're you know we're, we made it and we're trying to trying to share it with you to show you, you know, you guys did the right thing. When did you figure out that your dad was a pretty big deal from the sports side? Um, I think and it, it, when I really, I, I had heard things, you know, and my sister was at IU with Bobby Knight and she mentioned something to him because Colonel played basketball there as well and was classmates with Mike Krzyzewski. And she mentioned something. She said, hey, you know, Coach Knight, I think you may know my father, Gary Steele. So Gary Steele, Levittown, Pennsylvania, 6'6", 260, held the national high jump record, you know, blah, blah, blah. What about him? This is 30 years after he left. We're like, oh, gosh. And, uh, and so that, that hearing that was really cool. But then uh, I'll never forget um, Dave Newhouse as a writer for – uh, the Oakland Tribune, and I was out in San Francisco. It was my, uh, it was my first year, uh, first full-time job. I'm 22 years old. I'm all the way across the country from my family, and um, Steve Mariucci was a head coach. So I'd set up an interview with Dave and, and Coach Mariucci, and so we were waiting outside his office, and we're just just kind of talking. And he said, "Hey, where'd you grow up?" I said, oh, "I'm a military brat." You know, kind of went all. He says, "Where were you born?" I said, "I was born at West Point." And he said, he "said Chad Steele." Is your father Gary Steele? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> and he said, your father is the greatest athlete that I've ever covered. And he said, I remember California was number one in the nation. West Point was like number 23. And your dad caught a touchdown pass, like a 60-yard touchdown pass to beat them. And got his coach, the coach of the year. And he said, your father is one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen. And I was like, wow, Okay. And um, and previous to that, when I was at Winthrop, um, we had our head coach said we had success speakers. So you'd bring as as a, as a student athlete, you would bring someone in that was successful from the community, and they would talk to us. You know, a PR guy from the from the NFL team would come up. Hey, this is how I got there. So um, uh, Dave McMahon, my friend, brought in Charlie Pittman, who is a, uh, a defensive back for Penn State, and he played for the for the Steelers, and um, he just. You know, he's just, he's in textiles, and he says, "This is what you do." Blah blah blah. And I said afterwards, I said, "Mr. Pittman, um, I don't know if you remember. I think my dad played against you. His name's Gary Steele." He says, "Gary Steele, West Point." He said, "Everybody sit down," and everybody sat back down. He went on for thirty minutes about. He said, "Your father's the best athlete I've ever seen in wow. my life." He says, "In the NFL and college." He said, "Your father was unbelievable." Told a story about how he won a game, you know, with a touchdown and an onside kick recovery, another touchdown, and they kicked a few. He just went on, and I'm just sitting there like, my gosh. 
And I went back to my dorm room because we didn't have cell phones. Back That's then. right. <laughs> and I went back to my dorm room and I called and I said, Colonel, you know, Charlie Pittman goes, oh, yeah, I remember Charlie. I said, he told me about a game you had as a junior. And he says, yeah, I had a pretty good game. And I said, dude, like he said, you're the greatest athlete he's ever seen. I said, why didn't you ever tell me about this? And I'll never forget. He says, what does that have to do with me being your father? And I was like, well, I was pretty profound, but it's like, it's still, I would still like to know. And he's yeah. never ever bragged, never bragged. And, you know, when um, uh, Sage met Joe Paterno, Penn State was playing IU, and she met Joe Paterno, and she went up to him. He said, Gary Steele, he said, that's the biggest regret of my career, not getting him to come to Penn State. And, you know, and it's just like, man, these are legends of yes. sports with, Bob, with Bobby Knight and, and Joe Paterno and then Dave Newhouse talking like, and so, now it's cool that we can go back and see it, but I was—I I have to admit—I was a little upset with him, you know, when I was in college, because it's like, why? Why wouldn't you tell me that? Yeah, why wouldn't you share that with me? To... But he said that that has nothing to do with me trying to raise you as a man, which I respect. But it was like, wow. So, but now I think I appreciate it more. You know, I have pictures—pictures pictures of him in his football uniform. We have, luckily, NFL Films found some great video of him when he was playing. So. We can appreciate it now. My my kids can appreciate it while he's still alive, which is cool. Growing up, he was just a colonel. He was though. just a colonel. I, I I knew he played. <laughs> I didn't know the impact he had, you know. And and I knew, you know, I knew my grandfather was a Buffalo soldier. I didn't know exactly what that meant until I was probably in high school and learned a little more. And I knew my father was the first black football player at West Point, but I didn't understand until I got older and I saw team photos <laughs> of 90 men. And yeah, then you one, can see it. Yeah. Um, so it's, 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 it, it is, it's amazing now. It's amazing to be able to share that with, with my family and, and with my friends. Um, but growing up, it was like, I'm your dad. You know, and I'm here to teach you how to be a man and, and, and get you to work hard on, on the court and on the field and, and in the classroom. And, and that's what he did. Yeah. What about military for you? Was that ever a thought? You know, I thought about it and I was recruited by, uh, by, some of the, by the military academies because uh, they hadn't gotten my transcripts yet. Um, <laughs> and I asked him, you know, I said, hey, I want to go to West Point. And he said, that's not your path, son. He said, I just, I, I don't think that's your path. And thank God, because I probably, I would have tried to do that for him. Um, cause I wanted to make him proud yes. um, and make my mom proud. And, uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm thankful that he didn't, that, 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 that he gave me that option because if he hadn't given me that option, I would have done whatever I could to, to be there. And then again, you talk about those life choices. That's right. You know, I you never would have, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what are some of the moments that you vividly recall throughout your 18 <laughs> 19 years or whatever in PR in the NFL that just you view as magical moments that you've been able to witness? You know, I, I, I think, you know, I've been part of a Super Bowl. You know, I've, 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 that, that we want, that the Ravens won. And um, I've got a great picture of me kind of looking up at the confetti because that's Ray Lewis would always talk forever. We'll talk about that confetti, man. You just can't, when that confetti comes down, it's so cool. <laughs> so I've, I've been there for that. I was there for Jerry Rice's last game as a San Francisco 49. I was there for Ray Lewis's last game as a Raven. I was, I walked Peyton Manning off his last game. Um, you know, I, I saw, I was there when Terrell Owens caught 20 passes to set the NFL record. And those are all great, but the most magical times for me are the things when I see 
um, after practice when there's a sick kid here and Ray Lewis would come over and the kid just lights up, you know, or um, I'm at a dinner and someone knows I work for the Ravens and there's a young, you know, seven-year-old young man who's a huge Steve Smith fan, so I text Steve and Steve calls me back and talks to the kid for like 10 minutes and, you know, the kid's crying, the mom and dad are crying and he, that's, that's what it's about. It's about impacting people. I love, don't get me wrong, I love Having a Super Bowl, ring. of course. You know, yes. I love, I love knowing. It's great and, to win. And, yeah, and being in, in having relationships with some of the best athletes in the history of the game. Um, but it's, it's, it's the impact that you can have with people and the friendships that you that 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 you have with with people um, that are that are the most important. So I think those are the things I'll remember the most. Or just, I'm just a I'm a PR guy, but being able to affect people. Um, simply for because of what I do is is amazing. That's what I love. What's the hardest part of your job? It's <sighs> a good question. Um, one of the hardest parts of my job is when guys leave. You know, mm-hmm. Joe Flacco being traded to Denver, Terrell Suggs leaving, go to Arizona when players retire, because you're you're invested in them. You're invested in them professionally. Personally, emotionally, you know, um, Joe and my kids went to school together. You know, um, Eric Weddle was so ingrained, uh, you know, their kids and my kids and my wife and his wife. And those those relationships, you know, that's that's the hardest part of saying goodbye to people, you know. And everything else is, uh, our jobs are the same. They're, they're the same struggles that everybody has. <laughs> you, you know, you get burnt out sometimes. You're exhausted when you lose. It's like it's people are miserable um you know yeah, is there a completely different vibe oh yeah around here after a loss absolutely absolutely it's it's hard and and it's because this is you're talking about people's livelihoods you know so so when you lose and you're on a losing streak and you know a player dropped a ball to win the game or coach called a timeout when he shouldn't have and that screwed up the foot, something like that like it is it affects you but it affects you for monday and tuesday but then wednesday you got to get ready for the next for, for for the for the next game the one is really hard is at the end of the season and i've been doing this for this is i just finished my 20th full-time season and there have been 19 times where i've been really upset at the end of the season you have to eat that for the next seven months you know, that's there's, hard. There's only one team that's that that leaves happy every, every year. <laughs> um, so it is hard when you lose because it, it affects everybody's livelihood. Because from a PR perspective, you're gonna you're gonna be attacked by fans and media. So you're gonna you've got to try to defend what's going on. The players and coaches are upset because because they're being attacked and they're upset because they lost and they feel you know we could have done something better. It affects our marketing. It affects our corporate sales because people don't you know hey if you guys aren't winners we're not going to spend our money with you. Of course, you. I'm not going to go to a party that your marketing uh, people put on. Okay, you guys are losers or the website. So it affects everybody. It's not it's not just like oh hey we lost what what whatever I'm still doing great at my job <laughs> you know it's there's kind of a haze that that hangs over the building so it, it's that's it's hard it's hard and now my wife has had to remind me more than once hey you're home now that you're not in the locker room like it's your kids your kids want to see daddy they don't care what the score was speaking of score so as you're measuring success for teams players they've got a scoreboard Mm -hmm. 
But for you, how are you measuring success in your job? Um, again, I, I go back to the impact that you have people outside of the building, but it's also the impact that you have with people inside the building when you have young guys that come in or, or maybe even veterans that come in from other teams that don't understand, that don't get it, being able to to teach them how to understand. You know, probably one of my biggest success stories is Steve Smith because he came in and he had, yeah. sure you know, I'm, I'm sure you know the <laughs> reputation he had. Um, and it took a little while for me to gain his trust. Um, and he was like, oh, I don't, no, I don't do that. I don't do interviews. I don't do, nope, nope, nope. And it just, and I just chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. And he became a go-to. Uh, the media loved him because he was, funny as hell. He was very honest and he would be available, all of which he wasn't before. And so... So how did you do that, this chipping away? What, it's relationships. What you know, it was... Um, I'd ask him about production meetings where we sit down with the team that's calling the game. And so when you're watching the game, say, hey, we sat down with Steve Smith last night and this is what he said about how you beat this cover too. Well, I said, how do you... Do you like to do those before practice or after? He goes, I don't do those. And I said, well, I know you were asked, what would you do? And he says, well, they would tell me I had to do them. And then I just walk right past them, get in my car and leave. And I said, well, if you try that with me, you're going to get to your car and you're going to be looking for your keys and I'm going to have them. And you say, hey, get in here. And, uh, and so leading into the first one, I just, I was just wearing them down. And he finally, the day of, he's like, you have five minutes. I'm going to get in there. And I said, look, they want you. They want Steve. They want your personality. You know, give it to them. And so he was in there for about 10 minutes and he left and Jim Nance said, I'm blown away. He said, I thought I had a view of what Steve Smith was because I've never spoken with him before. And uh, so I went out and I said, dude, you changed 13 years and 10 minutes in there. He said, what? And so then he realized, so it was, it was the relationship. And I wanted to make sure he understood. I wasn't here as Chad, the PR guy, you know, trying to help the organization. I'm here as Chad, a PR guy, but also a friend trying to put you in the best light. And um, so he said on, on occasions, on air, on the NFL Network, and privately, like, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in my second career making a good living if I, was, if I didn't go to Baltimore because we helped him understand the importance of it. So there's another side of the impact yes. that you're describing. Yes. Yeah. So that, to me... Seeing his smiling face, acting a fool on, <laughs> on, on NFL Network, it's just like, like you know that. what? I had a piece of that, yes. you know, and, and 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 that's important, you know. So it's that it's it's young guys understanding young guys who you, who who have been knuckleheads or you get from other teams. They're like, oh man, they don't listen. They don't know anybody's name. They don't. And then when you go in there, you say, hey, Mike. He says, hey, Chad. It's like, okay, that's a win. He knows my name. Okay, you know, so and then and then you go from there. And we have we have a young team, and and there are a couple of young guys that were knuckleheads and did some really immature things on social media and out in public. And being able to talk to them, and get them to understand, and get them to pick up the phone when I call or text back when I text. That's that's a win, you know, especially in the off season now when the guys are away because they don't they see me enough. They're sick of my face. They're sick of my voice. <laughs> so if, if in February or March or April, I text or I call and they pick it up, that's a win, you know? And, and again, it's relationships. It's when I'm developing that trust yes. that they have in you. Yes. And when I, when I see something on social media, that's good or bad say, Oh dude, you did a great job with this way to include your teammates on. This is hilarious. Keep on doing that. Or, Ooh, I would stay away from that one. But, but, Anything that I see where I can just reach out 
and say if it's a former teammate of theirs, that if it's something good or bad that happened with another team, sending it to them say, hey, check this out. Look at this. We, this is what we want to avoid. So just trying to trying to get them to understand. I work for the Ravens, but I care about you. You know, as a, as a as a player, but as a person too. And I'm it's not I'm not just here as a corporate guy. I'm trying to help you. So when they understand that, that's it's a win. Yes, uh, that that's the moment when you might have been able to actually reach them at that point yes. once they understand that. From a sports perspective, what has it meant in your life then? Oh, I, I don't know where I'd be without sports because, as I said, growing up, that's what helped us ingrain ourselves. And outside of the home... That's what we talk about with my kids. Like we can, we we can teach them all the right things, and we can be as disciplined as we want. But there are outside factors at school and their friends and different things that can affect them. When I wasn't with my parents, I was on a field or in a pool or on a track or on a court, and so the the discipline that I learned there helped shape me, you know. And then being able to go to college. You know, being able to give my parents a gift of not having to pay a cent for me to go get a degree, to be able to play there and then that turn into a job. Like you tell 15 year old Chad, (laughs) hey, you're going to get paid to stand on the sideline, to be in a locker room and to tell some of the best players in the history of the NFL, hey, this is what you need to do. They're going to ask you for your advice. I'm like, come on. <laughs> like, no, no way. No, I'm not that's buying not that. Right? I'm not yes. buying that. But it's like, why? That's, that's what it is. And, 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 and it is. It's, a lot of it is obviously the way I was raising my family, but a lot of it is sports. If I didn't play sports, I would, there's no way I would be here. There's, oh. there's, there's no way. And so being able to pay my parents back, and then also being able to instill that in my kids. Like, my kids love sports and they love football. My eight-year-old girl knows more about football than most, most people I know. <laughs> she just, she's, and she is laser-focused. When the, the game's on, when she's at the game, like she's she is laser, she's asking questions. Um, so being able to share that, that's a, it's, it's a bond with me. I was able to bond that way with, with my dad. And, and we were, um, again, relationships. My first boss in San Francisco um, now works for Intel, which does a lot of VR stuff with the NFL and NCAA. So um, I saw him at the Combine a couple weeks ago. He said, hey, you know, with Intel, we have these the NCAA tickets. Do you want to go? Absolutely. It was Duke. Luckily, it was Duke that, that was here. <laughs> and I brought my daughter. And it was one of the best nights I've ever had. It was it was a late night. We didn't get up to oh, two in the morning, but that's right. Like all she could talk about was going to the basketball games. How, how much longer do we have? We have two weeks. Okay, we have one week. We have one day. And she was so into it. So being able to sit there and cheer and high five and you know look and her saying, "Daddy, you used to do that's college. You used to play that." I said, "Yeah, that bonding experience with her is unbelievable. I had that with my parents. I had that with my siblings. And now being able to share that with my kids is." Is, is just, it's so unbelievable. I would just think that's going to be on her hard drive for the rest of her yes. life. She'll we, we, took, that. we took a ton of pictures. We were, <laughs> we're not going to forget that. We're not going to forget that. Night. And she still talks about it, you know. So it's sports is just, it's, it's such a massive part of our lives and, and really thankful for it. Yeah. And obviously, and now 
you get this nice office as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that mean, comes along with it. I mean, this office, I think, is probably three times the size of my first apartment in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why on earth anyone needs this much space in an office, but I'll take it. <laughs> of course you will. That's right. What about, as we wrap up here, you, you shared a lot of wisdom and a lot of words that have meant a lot to you that I can tell you know, from your, from your dad and the family motto. Are there any other words of wisdom that has meant a lot to you? Any other phrases, quotes, or just life advice? You know, I, I just I think knowledge is power, um, but it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're an athlete. It doesn't matter if you're working on the corporate side. It doesn't matter uh, if you're working at Burger King. The most important thing I always tell the kids are two R's is relationships and reputation. Your reputation always precedes you, and relationships are paramount. You know, I, I don't like the term networking, but those relationships, there, there's, there are so many people that I've worked with that I've known for 20 years or that I've known for longer than that that I can pick up the phone and ask their advice at any time, and I know they're going to they're gonna steer me in the right direction because they care about me. Um, so having those people in my life is important, but being one of those people to, uh, to, to other to young people um, or other people in the NFL, um, that's important. And um, as I said, I shouldn't have gotten that first internship with the Panthers. Um, it was the relationship that the PR guy had with my head coach. I shouldn't have gotten my first season-long internship in Baltimore. Uh, I wasn't, I was woefully unprepared. But Charlie Dayton down in Carolina was best friends with Kevin Byrne in Baltimore. I shouldn't have gotten my first full-time job in San Francisco. No, no way. I was, I was the worst PR guy in the league. There's no <laughs> doubt. But Kevin Byrne here knew Kirk Reynolds out there, and he said, hey, this kid works hard. He's got something. You know, so um, without that, I, who, who, knows, who knows where I'd be? So those, those relationships are, 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 are so important. And... Being able to establish those and nurture those and keep them are, you know, that's the only way you're going to be successful at whatever you do. That's that's not just that's not just a, a working at a job. That's in life, you know. Those are so important. So why don't you like the word networking? I, networking to me, it has a little bit of a negative connotation. Um, networking is seems like it's a oh, okay. I am going to get to know you to try to get ahead instead of just, I, I, uh, Rich, I want to get to know you as a person, you know, and, and personal touches are so important. You know, I, I, whenever I get, whenever I meet somebody, if I get a business card, I always go on the back and write where I met them, who I met them through and something personal about our, our talk because two days, two weeks, two months, two years from now, if we reconnect, I can go back and look and say, Oh, Oh, you just got a dog. Hey, you're dog. Yeah, how does that potty training go? And it brings them back. And, you know, it's a lost art, handwritten notes. You know, my, my kids could get on an iPad and type out a thank you note, but handwritten notes saying thank you, something personal is so important. I have a stack of handwritten notes from, from years, from intern candidates to friends to congratulatory notes from, from people that I work with that are so important to me because it, they took time. You know, and 
And I try to do that as much as possible. And I feel sorry for anybody I send it to because I can't even read my own handwriting. <laughs> but it's the time that you... That At you, least you're yeah, making yeah, the effort, I'm right? making the effort. I'm making <laughs> exactly. the effort. But I, 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 I know how important that is to me. So, so to, try to, to try to do that, it's about, it's about relationships and, and, and networking. It just, it just has a negative like, hey, if you network, then you get something from somebody instead of just, you know what? Let's, let's establish a relationship. I've never viewed it from that standpoint. So that's why I asked. And mm. so thank you for sharing that because that's a completely different vantage point to view that word. And I, I have to agree that it does always seem that you're trying to get one step ahead mm-hmm. rather than, hey, let's just develop a relationship yeah. going back to that one R that you mentioned. Yeah. What can I learn from you? What can you learn from me? Agreed. Well, I've learned a lot (laughs) from you today, Chad, and I can't thank you enough for allowing us to expand our relationship a little bit more in terms of being able to sit down and hear your story. So thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm, I'm honored to, uh, to be a part of it. Facing tough situations in life can oftentimes put you in that position of cutting corners and doing the easy thing because, as we all know, It's easy, but it's having the mindset to choose what is right, even though it's more times than not the harder choice, as Chad had described, but it's through building those relationships which puts trust in others that can ultimately help provide strength and support from those people when you need it to make the choice of that harder right. Now that finishes episode 109, and more of our content can be found by visiting our Rich Take on Sports Facebook page and YouTube channel, where you can easily subscribe. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Takes Sports. Thanks for listening.